0: came across some stories, of course, um, this weekend on Saturday, um, it was National Day for Truth and Reconciliation in Canada, and there were some interesting stories that we thought you know what let 's do this on monday let 's have some conversations uh, about this, uh, really interesting stuff, and you know all of it happening you know in alberta and and area and um, you know, a lot of the the conversation is focused on residential schools and the history of residential schools in Canada, right? But there's more to it. There's there's other things that you know go into the whole truth and reconciliation journey that this country started many years ago. There's even other schooling models that deserve the same kind of discussion and conversation, and that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to speak with Tiffany Dion Preet, who is an assistant professor in the sociology department at the University of Lethbridge. Uh, Tiffany, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time yes thank you so much for having me um you know i i, I was doing some reading on some of the work that you've been doing and uh, the piece on the conversation and talking about you know it's not just the residential schools there there were a bunch of different school models in this country and many of them actually even predated the residential schools right
1: yes When I started working in this area, I had first proposed doing a research study that focused exclusively on residential schools, and then when I got into uh, the documents, I realized that there was so much more that happened in addition to residential schools, but I don't think that Canada and and most people uh, really know or understand that those school
0: models existed. (laughs) Um what school models are that i mean just let's just go through a quick rundown of some of the other ones that you 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 document I mean there was an industrial school system that was in place at the time too, right?
1: Yes, and so some the school models were sometimes opened at the same time, but so we we first started off with day schools in the eighteen hundreds and then we moved to industrial schools and then boarding schools. Two residential schools, and then residency and day schools, uh, public schools, and then now we have federal schools as well.
0: Yeah, so, and it all worked together. But was the goal the same? Was it, you know, was was it just the actual, the way that kids were brought to or attended these schools that changed? And was the message continuous throughout? It was always
1: the intention to try and assimilate Indigenous children. Right. Yeah. The, the government had two different tactics that they tried to use in order to try and assimilate Indigenous children. So the first one is assimilation through segregation, and so that was through the early day schools, the industrial schools, boarding schools, and residential schools. And uh, what was intended in that was to try and teach the Indigenous children how to be like the rest of Canada, uh, which segregating them you know, really wasn't helping to try and achieve that goal. And So the government moved on to assimilation through integration where they were hoping to completely get rid of the education systems on reserve and send Indigenous children off reserve to go to, to public school. And they felt like having Indigenous children being in this type of school model would help Rub off on the children as well as their parents um, to speak the English language and to no longer be living uh, their culture as well as speaking
0: their their own language how important is it that we include these other models in our discussion because like i said it, it's always residential schools that we're focused on I'm not saying we shouldn't be I mean it's an important story that we need to tell um, but but you know I, what about the survivors of these other models? How important is it that we have this discussion about all of this rather than just being so focused on one piece of it
1: i i think it's very important it, it is very important to recognize the survivors uh, who largely come from the residential school model but today we still would have survivors who may have attended the industrial schools and boarding schools along with the residential schools as well as residency uh, and uh, it, it's so important to be aware of this because i think it shows just how uh, focus. The government was on trying to assimilate Indigenous children, so it wasn't just residential schools. You know, if one school model didn't work out. The Canadian government would create a new school model that they thought would be more effective. And so, being able to see and recognize these different school models, we can see just how uh, serious the government was about assimilating Indigenous children and trying to get rid of the Indigenous population, so that we would be, you know, what what they would call a a regular canadian citizen so i think
0: it's important to be able to to recognize that um you've curated an exhibit right a traveling exhibit that will help us fill in some of those gaps and learn those stories tell us about the exhibit you've put together
1: yes thank you i was uh, very thrilled when the galt museum and archives from West Ridge, alberta approached me to create a, a traveling exhibit based on the research that i've been uh, working on for the past decade of my career and it was really important to me in the exhibit to be able to talk about the different school models but as well the different School policy that uh, accompanies each of these school models. And so, in the work that I've been doing, one of the findings to come out of it is that many survivors today do not understand why this happened to them uh, and exactly what has happened to them uh, based on the school models. And so, in the traveling exhibit, I talk about the different school models as well as the educational policy behind the school models, and then uh, most importantly, it has survivor stories that go with each of the school models, so that people um, are able to read it and to better understand what it was like to live through through
0: each of those school models. And you mentioned survivor stories, and that's that's the basis, right? That that's the key piece in telling the stories, sharing this experience, and you know, enlightening the rest of us. It's the survivor stories that do that.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. and I I hope that when people come to see the exhibit, especially my own people or survivors, that when they do read these stories and when they see the photographs, that they're able to to turn to their own family and share their own experiences um, of living through those uh, school systems. And I, I think it's in those conversations that we're able to, to um, heal as uh, family members who've been affected by these different school models.
0: What, the exhibit itself, how, how can people say It's a traveling exhibit, but I think it's set up you know, one spot at a time. So how can people see the exhibit if they want to?
1: Currently, it's at the Galt Museum and Archives, which is in Lesburg. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there from now until the beginning of March. And then after that, uh, we're hoping to set it up to travel across Canada, so that more people are able to to see the exhibit. And I I wanted to be able to give back to the. Um, museums and archives who have partnered with me in order to do this research so I'm, I'm hoping to bring the exhibit to to those particular areas and um universities who i've worked with as well and so we're we're still working on it so i don't have any uh, definite plans of where we'll be going but uh it, it's
0: something that is definitely in the works thank you so much for being here today tiffany i really appreciate your time